Last week, I told you one of my favorite evangelism stories. It was about a Fijian man named Charlie and a young lady from New Zealand named Louisa. Well, this morning, I'd like to tell you another evangelism story from my Fiji days. This one is about a young man named Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a typical teenager. He was 19 years old and had just graduated from high school. And like many high school graduates in Fiji, he was going to serve a two-year commitment in the military before returning home to attend university or begin working. And Ezekiel's mom was a devout Christian woman. She had prayed and prayed and prayed for her son to have faith in Jesus Christ. And so on the day before he was supposed to leave for his two-year military assignment, his mother, one more time with great persistence, brings up Jesus to him at breakfast. She pleads with him, please, before you go away for these two years, Please consider Jesus. Please read your Bible. If you need to go talk to someone, but please consider him. Well, Ezekiel tells his mother that he only has one day left. He ships out early the next morning, and he wants to spend the last moments, the last day with his friends in town. And so he leaves his mother in tears and begins his walk into town to meet his friends that day. And as he walks into town, Ezekiel is thinking about his mom and her desire for him to become a Christian. And at that very moment when he's trying to put it out of his mind so he can enjoy the rest of this day with his friends in town, he meets a tall, skinny, balding man who is approaching him the other way on the sidewalk. And this man introduces himself and says, Hi, my name's Barrett. I'm one of the ministers at Southside. No, I'm kidding. That's not what I said. Wasn't even here at that time. I said, Hi, my name's Barrett, and I've traveled here from the United States to study the Bible with you today. Well, his jaw dropped open. And he never did hang out with his friends that day. We had a little space that we had rented there in town where we hosted our Bible studies for those two weeks. And so I grabbed one of the college guys that was with me. His name was Jim. And Ezekiel and Jim and I spent the entire day studying the Bible together. Then about 9 o'clock that night, after we'd had our group worship time, all of us went down to the Pacific Ocean And Jim baptized Ezekiel into Jesus Christ. I loved to be able to go home with him that evening as he told his mom how he had spent his last day in town. He shipped out that next morning. I shared that story with you not to say, look what I did. I hope you know that about me. I share it with you to say this. Look at what God was doing. And look what I would have missed out on if I had not been open to being used by him. 
If I had not been open to go on that trip, if I had not been open to walk up to a stranger on a sidewalk and introduce myself to him. I mentioned this last week. Essentially, what we have here in Acts chapter 8 are two of Philip's evangelism stories. One is about a magician in Samaria, and the other is about a eunuch from Ethiopia. And these two stories serve as a bridge in Luke's storytelling. They're a link between the apostles being in Jerusalem and then Paul going to the ends of the earth. Last week, we looked at four observations from Philip's interaction with Uh, the magician in Samaria, and today we're going to look at Philip's interaction with the Ethiopian. And here's the question that I want to try to answer this morning as we study this text. It's a question that was posed to me this week by my 18-year-old son, JP. He called, and we were talking um, about a book that we're both reading uh, the book is called Open to the Spirit. Um, it's, it's a book by Scott McKnight, a uh, professor and author. I uh, highly recommend it to you. Uh, but we were talking about this book, and he asked me this question. He said, Dad, this book is great. I appreciate what this author is having to say. But I want to ask you a question. What does it look like for you? to be open to the Holy Spirit. I I like what this author has to say. He's, you know, he's teaching us things. But what I really want to know, Dad, is what does it look like for you to be open to the Holy Spirit? That's deep waters. He gets that from his mama. The other night, just last week, we're entering in this kind of this new season of life where we have these large windows of time at home with no children. We're enjoying it. Um, <laughs> and so Milbrand and William were both off somewhere for the evening basketball, and they were gone for an extended period of time. And so we had a nice little date night at the house, made dinner, sat down to eat dinner, and we just said the prayer. And Karen sits down after, right after the prayer, and this, here's what she asked me, this question. She says, so tell me about your soul. (laughs) That's how she started the conversation. I was like, man, I need some icebreakers. (laughs) You know, I need, I can't just, I don't know. I don't know, you know, I I need some, need something else. Can we start somewhere else and then maybe make our way there? So JP gets that from his mama. And I, but I've, I've been thinking about this question a lot this week. What does it look like for me to be open to the Holy Spirit? And I've been thankful for this text here in Acts chapter 8 um, because it has helped me to answer that question for my son. What does it look like for me to be open to the Holy Spirit? Um. Because what I see here in Philip's life is a man who is fully open to the Spirit. And so my outline this morning is to share with you four answers to that question. They're really answers that I've 
half for JP, and, and you all just get the benefit from what I have, uh, what the Lord has taught me this week through this text to be able to answer this question of my son. But what does it look like for me to be open to the Holy Spirit? Here are the four things we're going to look at today. Number one, it means to be obedient to the Lord. Number two, it means to be oriented with Scripture. Number three, it means to be opportunistic with people. And then number four, it means to be observant of God at work. And so let's, let's talk about these four things. Being open to the Spirit means to be obedient, oriented, opportunistic, and observant. Number one means to be obedient to the Lord. When reading this text, there's no question that Philip is fully open to the Holy Spirit. And part of what I see here that inspires me, and indeed is what I aspire to in my own life, is just his complete obedience to the Lord. And being open to the Holy Spirit for me and my life begins with obedience to the Lord. That's where it starts. It has to start there. In verse 26 and in verse 29, two commands are given to Philip. The first one by an angel of the Lord, the second one by the Spirit, and Philip immediately obeyed both commands without hesitation even though the commands were a little bit unusual. In fact, one commentator put it this way, to be ordered to travel down a lonely desert road at high noon, the hottest part of the day in the desert, is an absurd order from God. I had a friend tell me one time, if it's odd, then it's God. Now, that's not always the case, but there is truth to it, for God's ways are not our ways. Yet, even though the command was a bit unusual, Philip obeyed without hesitation. He was obedient to the Lord. You see, that's where it all started for him. You know, if you look at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Uh, in verses 18 through 20. Jesus' command there, there's only one command there. His command is to make disciples. That's the imperative. That's the single verb of command in those verses. However, there are three participles, words that should end in I-N-G in our English language. They are going, baptizing, and teaching. So you're to make disciples, that's the command, as you are going. You're to make disciples, baptizing them. You are to make disciples, teaching them to obey. And here's the point I want to make from the Great Commission that Jesus teaches us. Obedience has to be learned. Obedience has to be learned. It's something that has to be taught. Jesus says, you make disciples, not by just teaching them to obey me, but by teaching them to obey. 
You see, not only do we not want to obey, but we don't know how to obey. It's a double whammy. And it's a big problem in our world. And this is just an aside. I want to give just a quick encouragement to our parents. Parents, it is our role, as difficult as it is sometimes, and there's grace in all of it, yet it is our God-given role and responsibility to teach our children to obey. That's our role. God has given that responsibility to us because we come into this world and we don't know how to obey. And so not only do we need someone to show us an example as to how to obey, but we also need someone to instruct us on how to obey. And that, parents, that's your role. I just want to encourage you in that because it's hard. It's hard because teaching your child to obey is difficult. I want to encourage you. That's what God has for you, and there's grace in all of it. I just really want to encourage you in that. That's our role. That's, that's primary for us as parents because obedience is something we all have to learn. And if we're going to be open to the Holy Spirit, it's where it starts. It starts with a heart of obedience to the Lord. You know, I've talked throughout this study of Acts about the full message of the gospel, the parabola of salvation, if you will, that like my uh, professor at Lipscomb called it, where it's, the, it's about the incarnation and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension and the, and the exaltation. That's the full message of the gospel. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose, Jesus lives, and Jesus reigns. That's the good news. You see, if part of my understanding of the gospel is that at this very moment, today, this moment, 1114, the exalted Jesus Christ reigns from the right hand of the Father, and is establishing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven through the pouring out of his promised Holy Spirit on all who call on his name, on all who repent and are baptized into his name. If that's what I understand to be true, then I'm going to choose to live my life in obedience to the king. Whatever he tells me to do, count me in without hesitation. If Jesus Christ reigns in my life, then I must let go of the reins of my life. That has to be our heart. It's where it all starts. We have to be ready to obey. Evangelism has less to do with my effort and my enthusiasm about it and more to do with my obedience. We have to be bought into obedience. 
Because Jesus says things like, love your enemies. Well, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Probably about as much sense as the commands in Acts chapter 8 made to Philip. Jesus says, forgive your brother who sins against you 70 times, seven times. Well, that's not what I ever feel like doing. Yet being open to the Holy Spirit starts with a heart of obedience to the Lord. That's number one. Number two means to be oriented with Scripture. We learn in verse 32 that the Ethiopian is reading from Isaiah 53. And he asks Philip, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Verse 35, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Being open to the Holy Spirit for me and my life means being oriented with Scripture because here's my belief. As I open myself up more to Scripture, I open myself up more to the Holy Spirit. There are some striking parallels, and and most scholars think purposeful ones here, between this story in Acts 8 and the story told by Luke in Luke chapter 24. One occurs on the road to Gaza. The other occurs on the road to Emmaus. Jesus and Philip both encounter strangers on the road and engage them in conversation with a pointed question. And both Jesus and Philip vanished from the scene as quickly as they had appeared. And Luke uses the same wording to describe how Jesus and Philip both use the Scripture with the strangers that they meet on the road. Luke 24 and 27 reads like this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning himself. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 35, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, And told them the good news about Jesus. You see, in both instances, the Holy Spirit uses the Scriptures to draw people to Jesus, to point people to Jesus. Philip asked the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? He responded by saying, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? Literally, there in the Greek, he uses the word for a guide, someone who guides someone from one place to another. So literally, he's asking, how can I understand unless someone guides me? The Ethiopian says out loud what all of us have thought and know to be true about ourselves. How can we understand without a guide? How can I make decisions in my life without a guide? 
How can I make those difficult choices without a guide? How can I understand without a guide? How can I make sense of anything in this world without a guide? Listen, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guide. To guide us as we read the Scriptures. And so the more I open Scripture, the more I open myself up to the Holy Spirit. Church, this book is built different. It's the only book like it. It's it's Holy Spirit-inspired. It's living and active. It breathes the Holy Spirit every time you open it. There's no other book like it. And when we open it, we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a retired author. The Holy Spirit meets us on these pages and speaks to us. So, being open to the Holy Spirit means being oriented with Scripture. Number three, it means to be opportunistic with people. Spiritual mentor once told me that there are two reasons that you have a flat tire. The first reason is to build character. And the second reason is to meet someone that you would not have met otherwise. What he called a divine appointment. Those are the only two options, he said. Oh, we can view it as purely happenstance. Some truck dropped a nail on the road and we just happened to run over it. Or, or we can view it as an opportunity that God can use in our lives. Either, one, to build our character or to have a divine appointment with someone whose path we would not have crossed otherwise. Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, in everything, God works for the good. As my wife likes to say, there are no leftovers in the kingdom of God. God uses all of it, every last scrap for his good. God can even use a flat tire. However, do we view it as an opportunity that God can use in our lives? You see, being open to the Holy Spirit for me and my life means to be open to these opportunities. It means being opportunistic with people. It means seeing an accident as an appointment. But it's about your perspective. And being open to the Holy Spirit changes your perspective. In two different places, 
to two different churches, Paul talks about having this perspective. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And here's what he means by that. Here's what he means, live wise, not as unwise. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Then in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul writes, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, non-Christians. Make the most of every opportunity. For me, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian is exhibit A as to how a follower of Jesus Christ can make the most of an opportunity. Yep, we all know how we can miss opportunities. And what Paul tells us is that's an unwise way to live. So being open to how the Holy Spirit can make the most of every opportunity in our lives. And then the fourth thing I want to mention to you this morning is uh, observant of God at work. Observant of God at work. I, you know, I shared the story at, uh, at the very beginning of my message, the story of Ezekiel with you, because I wanted you to see how God was working in this young man's life, how God was laying all of the groundwork in this young man's life long before I showed up onto the scene. And the same is true here in our story in Acts chapter 8 this morning. God has been preparing. God has been working in the life of the Ethiopian long before Philip arrived onto the scene. The Ethiopian had just left Jerusalem of all places, having attended one of the great worship festivals of the Jews. And he's sitting in a chariot, reading out of Isaiah, chapter 53, no less. I mean, God is, to use a sports analogy, God is tossing Philip a softball, underhand softball here, because this one's easy to hit. I love what F.F. Bruce wrote. He said, at a time when not one line of any New Testament document had been written, what scripture could someone have used more fittingly as a starting point for presenting the story of Jesus to one who did not know him than Isaiah 53? You see, the groundwork had been laid by the Lord in the life of the Ethiopian. And here is what I have come to believe and experience. When you meet someone, I want you to know this. I believe this. No matter who they are, where they've been, what they believe, how they look, how they're dressed, God is already at work in their lives. That's true. And I want you to count on it. I want you to expect it. 
Being open to the Holy Spirit for me in my life means to have the eyes to see all that God is already doing all around me. See, God's not waiting on me to do his work. Instead, God is inviting me to join the work that he's already doing. Remember the workbook that a lot of churches used back in the early 2000s? It was called Experiencing God. Uh, it was by, written by Henry Blackaby. It had a very simple yet very challenging message. Do you remember it? it was find out where God is at work and join him there. See, being open to the Holy Spirit in my life is to be observant of God at work. So what does it look like for me to be open to the Holy Spirit? It means to be obedient to the Lord, oriented with Scripture, opportunistic with people, and observant of God at work. I'd like to lead us in a prayer this morning. It's a prayer that um, is taken from this book that I mentioned to you earlier that JP and I and reader are reading together called Open to the Spirit. And I'd like, as we conclude here, to lead us in this prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we are open to your Holy Spirit. Come to us, dwell in us, speak to us so we may become more like Jesus Christ. Lord, give us the courage to be open. Lord, we're open to your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. As an invitation this morning, I want to remind you of the good news of Jesus Christ. He came for you. And he died for you. And he rose do you know what it means for him to have risen from the dead? It means that he conquered death. He defeated death. And he conquered sin. Sin no longer has any place to condemn any of us. And Jesus lives. He's alive. He's living today. And he reigns. He reigns from the right hand of the Father, ready to pour out the promised Holy Spirit, to bring the kingdom of God to earth through his promised Holy Spirit into the life of anyone who calls upon his name. This morning, one thing that we see in Acts chapter 8 is that when the Samaritans and the Ethiopian 
heard the good news. They both had the same response. They believed and were baptized. This morning, if you hear the good news of Jesus and you want to respond by coming here to the front and sharing your belief in him with this church family and being baptized into his name, we'd love to be part of that. Let's stand together and sing.